Brooks and Showbiz. It doesn't look so well in international foreign affairs. <laughs> Good evening. Welcome to the Petaluma City Council meeting for Monday night, July 1st, 2013, 6.45 p.m. session. And would the clerk please call roll. Harris. Here. Kearney. Here. Barrett. Here. Glass. Here. Albertson. Here. Healy. Here. Miller. Thank you. And if uh, the uh, police chief, Pat Williams, would please lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. your hand over your heart. Ready? Begin. Pledge of Thank you. And if we could please have a moment of silence. Thank you. Uh, agenda changes to tonight's agenda. Um, I'm going to request that item 5A be dropped to uh, follow item 5D, that's Diaz and David, and everything else stay in order. Um, without objection, that'll be done. We're on to presentations. We have the Junior Police Camp Recognition Awards. Our police chief, uh, Pat Williams, is here along with a lot of uh, young kids that uh, have donated their time and have learned a lot, I'm sure. Chief Williams. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, members of council. Uh, tonight we have uh, quite a few members of the uh, most recent junior police camp uh, graduate uh, here tonight. And I've got Heidi Borges, uh, one of our dispatchers, who's one of our primary coordinators uh, for the event. It's part of our Petaluma Policing uh, Initiative. Uh, we've gotten exceptional feedback from uh, those that have attended as well as the families connected to it. Uh, and we expect to be back, uh, if not the fall, and early uh, spring next year for our, our next group. But I'd like uh, Heidi to come up. She'll do a quick overview of the camp itself. And then we're going to invite uh, the graduates to come to the well. They're not going to overrun you this time. Uh, going to organize it a little bit, put them right up, and if you'll be able to stand, we'll get a picture with all the kids up uh, with all of you. So uh, I'd like to invite Heidi up. Hello. My name is Heidi Borges, and I'm actually a dispatcher at the police department, and I head up the junior police camp. This is our latest group of graduates of the class. We once again uh, chose to focus our attention on life skills are you guys ready to do your life skills you ready to say them so the first one is leadership what's next and uh that's right leadership teamwork and a winning attitude could you please yes yeah, speak yeah. into the microphone sorry about Thank that you. so we were focusing on those life skills and we brought in each uh, division of our department so that they can individually come in speak to the kids and teach the kids what they do at the police department and how that works around these life skills so that they could see if they make good choices in life and are a good member of our society and our community we all work together as a team so I think we were successful at that did you guys have a great time yes, yes. all right so thank you for making them feel special today we really appreciate it Thank you. So, so 
we could uh, we can invite the graduates to come forward and Heidi will uh, guide you into the well here for a right. picture with the council. Hello? Did everybody get what they wanted? We got one more in the corner. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you, kids. Thank you, Heidi. With that, we're on to uh, recognition of Employee Longevity Awards. Mr. Brown. Well, thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, as Council is aware, we do this on a quarterly basis, recognizing those employees who have served the city uh, anywhere in excess of uh, five years. And we have a, a fairly substantial list this evening that represents the last quarter's worth of awardees for the Longevity Award. I think you're aware. All these folks receive something at the department, departmental level. They receive a letter from myself, uh, a uh, certificate from the mayor and myself, as well as a pin uh, appropriate to the amount of time that they've served the city. And so uh, starting at the top of this, we have one 30-year award tonight. That is Christopher Peck with the Public Works and Utilities Department. Uh, we have several in the 25-year category. Uh, Juan Carlos Colorado from the Fire Department, Stephen Curtis, also the Fire Department, Don Phoenix with the Rec Services Department, Russ Rasmussen with Fire, uh, Matt Stapleton with the Police Department, and Albert Voorhees with Public Works and Utilities. Uh, we have two members of the Police Department who both uh, have served 15 years, being recognized for 15 years of service, uh, Adrian Kazi and Tamara Shoemaker. Uh, in the 10-year category, we also have two, Gary, uh, I believe this is Guisti, Juisti, I'm sorry, I'm not the best at pronouncing people's names, but he is with the fire department and, and he has been here 15 years, sooner or later I'll get it right. Uh, and, and John Hamer, Edward John Hamer, uh, formerly in the building division, uh, also 10 years. And then in the five-year category uh, in the police department, we have Amy Cates. Uh, Nicholas Fitzpatrick in fire, Matt Pernow in police, uh, Adria, Andrea Waters in fire, and then, uh, as you all noted about three months ago, myself, uh, again, all five-year award recipients during the last quarter. Did you get a letter from yourself? Um, I did get a letter <laughs> from the mayor. <laughs> yes, and congratulations. So five years for city manager is... Uh, 35 years and dog years. Well, it might be, huh? <laughs> Congratulations. Thanks. 
All right, so uh, with that, we are on to the next agenda item, which is uh, health action and community health initiatives in the Petaluma area. Uh, Beth Datko and Ramona Faith are here in the council chambers to make this presentation. We have set aside as much as 10 minutes for presentations, and we ask that presentations hold to a 10-minute maximum. So thank you very much, and it's good to have you here. And if we could have the back door of the room open now. I know it was shut for reasons of noise, but uh, under the Open Meeting Brown Act, we want to have open doors. So that would be great. Thank you so much. Please proceed with the presentation on Thanks. when you're ready. We're, we're going to get a, a, yes. a PowerPoint set up here, but let me, let me go ahead and get started. I'm Nancy Dobbs. I'm president and CEO of KRCB Radio and Television, and I'm also a member of Health Action Council and the Health Action Steering Committee. Um, we're here today uh, to talk in particular about the critical role that city government pay, plays in improving the community health. And we're here to ask your help uh, to add uh, health in all policies as a criteria for decision making uh, for issues that come before the, before the council. You know, of course, that Council Member Kearney is Ah. <laughs> Council Member Kearney is your representative on uh, the Sonoma County Health Action Council and we've appreciated uh, his participation. Uh, we want to talk for just a minute now about what Health Action actually is envisioning because I think it, to get this big picture it's important for you all to see this. Um, Though, so we want to start out by pointing out that healthcare, healthcare systems, though they're very, very important, only play a very small role in the overall uh, health of communities. Other factors such as make, being able to make ends meet, educational attainment, and a person's environment where, where you live and work and play have a much bigger impact on your health than how many doctors uh, live in your town. Um, health Action, Sonoma County's Health Action Plan, is a framework within which we seek to reach our goal, our shared vision, for 2020. The shared vision is that Sonoma County will be the healthiest county in California by 2020. And in order to uh, reach that, these are the 10 goals that we've identified as um, uh, the broad health goals that would significantly contribute uh, to the improved status in Sonoma County. Uh, these goals are often referred to as the social determinants of health, to distinguish them again from specific health uh, factors such as hospital beds or nurses or, or doctors in town. Um, cities obviously have a huge stake in these goals. Uh, you bear the costs of failures of those goals. When, when citizens in uh, Petaluma don't have economic security, obviously impact falls on you and on, on city services. When, when there's a low educational attainment level, there's uh, not as many trained employees available for your, for your uh, employers and, and you all again suffer the consequences uh, uh, in, uh, economically. Um, so we took those seven goals and turned them into uh, seven community initiatives. And this probably, if you've heard about health action, this is probably what you've heard about. I walk, I grow, you all have a garden out in front, so you're obviously growing. A lot of gardening uh, work around I grow happened in Petaluma. These are initiatives that we started off early w with to uh, emphasize the idea of people getting engaged in, the, in these activities, because it really will take the whole community. Uh, but the, the initiatives have been very, very successful, actually, uh, and they'll continue to be supported, but, but we're moving on 
excuse me, we're moving forward in a way that I think it's important to try and clarify. Health Action's not a program like iWalk or iGrow. Health Action is a new framework around the issues of health and how we find uh, sustainable health in our community. It's a, a movement to improve our community's health and a framework within to which to rethink how we think about health. Um, so obviously the issue of collaboration is critical uh, in accomplishing these. It's not a county uh, activity. It's not a city activity. It's all of us working together. One of the uh, one of the strategies that we're using is something called collective action, which is intended to take all the different um, providers and, and participants in these issues, in economic security and educational attainment, you name the issue, and, and do a better job of aligning them towards, towards um, improved community health. So we are, we're very focused on this notion of working together and realize that the top is way, what we've been doing for a long time, and we're not making it. The, the, we're spending a lot of money, and our health indicators are going in the wrong direction. So this is really an effort to align all of these participants in the entire community to reach that new goal. Uh, so we've, we're focusing on three specific areas between now and uh, 2016. Uh, and they're, again, they're not programs, but they're frameworks. So educational attainment is very, very strongly correlated with what your health is going to be in your lifetime, your morbidity and mortality statistics. So our first goal is educational attainment. The framework is called Cradle to Career, and we're aligning um, many uh, community organizations and county and, uh, county and public agencies uh, towards uh, improving uh, educational attainments. Uh, the second uh, focus right now is uh, primary care and the Committee for Healthcare Improvement. Committee for Healthcare Improvement is primarily working on really critical issue of end-of-life care and palliative care, an issue that really needs to be understood more broadly in our community. If you've gone through uh, end-of-life decisions with anybody, you know that it's something that we all need to be thinking about way before uh, it's it's the last conversation. And then finally, economic security. Again, the correlation between your uh, economic security and your health is profound. Uh, Dr. Tony Eiten, who's the um, health officer for Alameda County for a number of years, famously says, if you tell me your zip code, I can tell you how long you're going to live. <laughs> zip codes equal communities and neighborhoods, and some are poor and some are rich. Um, so what we wanted to uh, talk to you again specifically about today is that city council members are, you're in a unique position to influence a lot of the decisions that have to do with economic security and education uh, and those sorts of issues, food security. And you're influencers in your community, so we're really anxious that you really understand that this is a whole other way to look at, at health care issues. So um, obviously having uh, uh, Council Member Kearney on the Health Action Council is really, really important. And what we're beginning to explore is the notion of encouraging all the city councils to adopt a policy of considering health in all the policies that you take and all the, excuse me, all the actions and decisions you take as you're thinking of a new land use issue, as you're thinking of a, of a transportation issue. What are the health impacts? Does that transportation issue also include safe walking areas and safe biking areas and so on? It's kind of obvious when you say it, but if you don't include that, if you don't think about health and all policies while you're making those decisions, it becomes kind of tough to back up and, and, and insert them again. Uh, and obviously you all influence a lot of things around transportation, affordable housing, land use. All of those have significant uh, health care improvements. So we want to add this lens to how you look at policies 
and decisions that you have to make every every week. So right now, um, I would like to introduce, but she doesn't really need any introduction, I'm sure, to you, Ramona Faith, who's the CEO of the Petaluma Healthcare District. Uh, she's going to talk a little bit about specifically what's going on here in Petaluma. So thanks very much. Hi, and thank you. Yes, I'm Ramona Faith from the Petaluma Healthcare District, the CEO of the Petaluma Healthcare District, and thank you for letting us present. I am actually very excited because um, we are focusing on community health and improving the health of our community, and I realize that Sonoma County has a wonderful framework for which we are um, working with them to achieve some great goals. So you're not alone. Um, Councilman Kearney is not only on health action, but he's also on uh, a subcommittee of the Health Healthcare District Board called CHIPA, so I see him a lot and I appreciate that. So local community health improvement groups um, called Health Action Chapters are forming and aligning with the Health uh, Action Framework to address local healthcare issues. So that's exciting because sometimes we see state issues or county issues, but they're actually going to help drill down to local community issues. Some are similar and some are different, and it's nice to know exactly where we sit and compared to other communities and counties. There's basically currently six local health action chapters currently. One's Hillsburg and Geyserville area. One is in Sebastopol. One's in Lower, Lower Russian River, Windsor, Sonoma Valley, and then Petaluma and Pengrove. Uh, there may be, there's also some interest in forming another one in, in I believe, Rona Park area. And they want to focus on improving, um, working on policy, environmental issues, and system changes to improve their health in their community. So CHIPA, which stands for Community Health Initiatives for the Petaluma area, um, CHIPA is, is led by the Petaluma Healthcare District, it's a subcommittee of the Petaluma Healthcare District, and it is a health action chapter. And it's been a health action chapter since September of 2012. And it has a cross-sector of participation on our subcommittee. We have not only the Petaluma Healthcare District, myself and two board members who sit on the committee. We have uh, St. Joseph Health. Um, we have their workforce wellness um, department. We have neighborhood community staff organizers. And we also have community benefits sitting there. We have Kaiser Permanente representation. We have the Petaluma Health Center, our wonderful Petaluma Health Center representation. We have county and city government. We have the North Bay Leadership Council there, Petaluma People Services, Petaluma City Schools, Health and Community Consortium. We have the County of Sonoma Supervisor David Rabbit's office. We have the Petaluma Community Foundation. We have, and of course, uh, Council Member uh, Kearney on our on our uh, chippa sitting at the table. So um, we are actually uh, preparing to participate and engage in a community health assessment. One of the things that I, I was looking for when I first came on board at the district was I'd like to see some data that tells our story in Petaluma and the surrounding area. Take, let me take a look at the district service area, which includes Petaluma, Katati, Pengrove, and some of Rona Park. Let's take a look and see how we look. And so we're actually going to be able to drill down by zip code um, to find it, to determine what our what our health health needs are. So, next, as I mentioned, SHIP is an advisory committee, and we are aligning our efforts with Health Action. We want to build capacity and promote collective impact to address community health needs in Petaluma. We have four strategic priorities right now that we've been working on, and we'll be working more on. Uh, wellness and prevention, which is healthy weight. Another way to look at that is HEAL, which is healthy eating and active living. 
we're looking at behavioral mental health we have we have um, we need to improve our access to behavioral mental health both on the prevention side and the treatment side community connectedness and also creative career which is educational attainment so those are our four priority areas again um, you as council city as you as city council members do have a very important role to play in this uh, you are the policymakers um, you're the ones um, in the position to make the decisions uh, on policies that come before you which can um, impact the work that we do it actually impacts the framework of, of the health of our community so I hope we hope you'll support um, the health in all policies um, approach and look to council member Kearney uh, to help continue that dialogue and of course um, reach out to us if we can be a resource to you as well but I'm really really excited about this framework I really personally believe the Sonoma County has really uh, taken uh, a very innovative approach to how to improve health in communities. And I, for one, am very proud to be uh, aligning our efforts and, and putting our arms around it and working together. Working together on the same issues will have a much greater impact than all of us working differently, trying to address the same issue but not addressing it uh, or pushing it in alignment. So I'm excited. And we're, it's a great community. We have great partnerships in our community, of which you are very much a partner. So, any questions for us? Thank you very much, Mr. Kearney. So, th thank you guys very much for coming tonight. Uh, one of the th first things we were able to do, I think, uh, to implement some of the health action steps was actually make wellness a priority or a goal in our goals this year for our staff and and work on and trying to improve that as much as we can and uh, the city manager did a very uh, good job of getting uh, I walk information out to our staff and encourage that and and uh, I, I know myself I led a couple walks and uh, we were Councilmember Harris reminded me that we need to get back to running again as well. Uh, so thank you guys again for coming out tonight, and I look forward to, as we move forward, uh, working on implementing some of the things, the suggestions that we've come up with. So thank you. Thank you. I'm just going to hand this, if you want to, this information on Pedal Healthcare District and our role. Thank you. Thank you very much. With that, um, if there are no other council comments at this time, we're on to general public comment. Uh, Catherine Babowski to be followed by Terry Kosowick. Yes, my name is Catherine Babrowski. I live at the Littlewood Smova Villa Moho Park at 1821 Lakeville Highway in the city of Pelone. Last night at 9.12 p.m., uh, there were some uh, trespassers going on my property from Space 10, trespassing on my home side property, going behind my place, then picking inside my window, yelling, inside and yelling in, in, into my window. I called the Pelone Police Department. They never showed up because uh, they, the suspects were Hispanic and I'm white. And uh, I wanted those suspects arrested. Also too, there's, uh, the police are not signing the Hispanics who are parking on the far lanes over there. We got one that's been parked there for hours all day. They're only ticketing the white people who are parking on the fire lanes. And also too, there is gangbangers going in there. I want to show you what they did too. You can see this. This is a broken window. They actually purposely broken while we're trying to break into the building at the laundromat area. If a white person did this, police will arrest them. But it wasn't a white person that did this. It was Hispanics, the Hispanic gangbangers in there. You need to do step in and do something about this park and enforce the law on everyone, not only on the white people. The cops need to start arresting 
all the ones who are breaking the law, even Hispanics. Thank you. Thank you. Terry Koswick. Good evening, Mayor and City Council members. In reviewing the June 17th City Council meeting appointment of a Heritage Homes representative to Historic Spar, my integrity was the subject of an attack. The comments stated I was red tagged for illegally altering a building without a building permit. And there was a further comment that, quote, I can't vote for someone who makes the rules and then doesn't play by the rules, end quote. In the 21 years that I have served this city on Spark, the Planning Commission, and Historic Spar, I have never made any rules. That is not to charge of the committee members or the commissioners. In August 2011, I applied for and received a building permit for voluntary seismic retrofit to 430 Petaluma Boulevard North. This work required reconstructing the entire front of the building for shear strength. Plywood is required on the inside and outside of the first floor framing members and reframing the entire second floor. That meant removing the stucco facade. The reason on the red tag states it is for stucco removal. It is impossible to install the shear wall without removing the stucco. The red tag was issued in error. The day the red tag was posted, I went to the city's building and planning department. The counterperson pulled the permit and plans, and we reviewed its scope. Everything was shown to be in order. Therefore, it was concluded the red tag was issued in error. The following week, I had the first floor work inspected and signed off, another reason to believe that the red tag was issued in error. Two weeks ago, I called Ms. Hines, the person requesting the issue of the red tag, and as of today, have not heard back from her. Last Monday, I also submitted a letter to Ms. Hines regarding some proposed work to the front of the building that I am considering doing and have not yet received a reply. Furthermore, I would like to know in what manner the City Council was made aware of this red tag. The City Clerk's Office and the Building Department stated there is no known published list of red tags. I am left to assume that Ms. Hines notified members of the City Council of the red tag so as to discredit me as a possible planning commissioner, which she achieved. This is a breach of ethics. I also feel that it was wrong for members sitting on the DS to be judge and jury in front of the entire viewing city. I was in the chambers when appointments were made to the Planning Commission, and if defamations needed to be made, I would have appreciated the opportunity to respond. That is why I'm here tonight, to correct the record and hold those responsible to account. I thank you and appreciate the appointment to Historic Spar, and hope the city can correct its unfortunate internal problems. Thank you. Uh, with that, we're coming now back to council comment, and I've got to ask the clerk, because at some point we're going to hook up with uh, Eric Danley, who's the city attorney, by telephone, and the last instruction I had was this was the point we were going to do that. Is this still where we're going to do that? Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, Mr. Mayor, I haven't heard otherwise. Okay, so we're going to take two or three minutes here and just pause. Okay, all six of us that were here at the start of the meeting are still here. Uh, Council Member Miller is not with us tonight. Eric Danley is with us by telephone, uh, which uh, at this time just want to check out the voice levels and make sure that Mr. Danley can hear us and that when he comments we'll be able to hear him. Mr. Danley, are you there? I'm here, Mr. Mayor, and I can hear you fine. Okay, thank you so much. So with that, we're going to proceed. We've taken general public comment. At this point, we're ready to come to council comment, which was my understanding that's where you wanted to join the meeting tonight. So with that's that, we'll go to... Mayor. All right. 
Uh, Mr. Harris, do you want to lead it off? Sure. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, to start, I had the uh, honor of actually installing the new Pitlam Area Chamber uh, Board officers. And if you haven't heard, the officers for this next year for 2013-2014 are Tony Sarno, President, Tom Griffith, First Vice President, uh, Dan Anchetta, Second Vice President, and Ron Molnati, Treasurer. Um, so moving along, I think everybody has heard, of course, about the Sonoma Media Group and the fireworks and, and all of the children's activities happening um, on uh, Thursday coming up. But also, is that my feedback or is that going to happen to everybody? I don't know. I'll keep fighting through it. Um, but it was brought to my attention, and I wanted to bring to the public that the Petal Post 1929 Veterans of Foreign Affairs is having its annual 4th of July breakfast from 8 to 12 at the uh, Petal Veterans Memorial Building. And uh, they wanted me to bring that up. And uh, on that note, I'm going to finish and see if uh, I can figure out my microphone. Uh, this may mean that we'll have a very brief comments tonight. Mr. Kearney. <laughs> Uh, hopefully that will be the case. So uh, last week we had a transit advisory committee meeting and one of the uh, things that was reported out was our success in our reduction in or offering of a reduced uh, price uh, transit pass for those students in the Petaluma School District uh, that are eligible for free or reduced lunch. It's been really successful and we're looking at expanding it next year to lower the price to be able to hit even more students. Um, a lot of our transit uh, uh, grant funding actually is based on our ridership and so the more people we have riding, the more money we're eligible for. Uh, and so not only were, are we able to expand that service, uh, our ridership continues to go up as uh, whereas the rest of the county's ridership continues to go down and their prices continue to go up and we're able to lower, offer lower rates, so that's uh, pretty exciting. Uh, we're also looking at expanding in August uh, to additional uh, time on Saturday and additional, additional bus ride on Sunday, uh, which is very good news. So, you know, a year and a half ago, we didn't have any Sunday service. Now we have three buses running on Sundays, which is great. Uh, and they've been able to increase uh, the efficiency of our paratransit service and reduce costs as a result of that. So that's pretty exciting news. Um, on Saturday, uh, I had the pleasure of being invited to the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce Scholarship event. Uh, and little known, I don't think it's widely publicized, but the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce has given out over $300,000 in scholarships in the past 20 years. Uh, and on Saturday alone, they raised $20,000 to give out uh, for next year's scholarships. Uh, and so that's uh, really good to see. Uh, Councilmember uh, Harris was there as well. Uh, and great to hear the, the stories of the, the students and, and what they're doing to uh, improve their lives. And uh, lastly, I just wanted to uh, kind of comment on the excitement of last week. Uh, I was at San Francisco City Hall yesterday and was very proud to be able to, to witness uh, a handful of weddings. Uh, uh, and so uh, after the Supreme Court ruling last week, we are now able to see uh, equal rights in the United States. and. Uh, uh, one day, I hope to be able to go and say I do as well, but that's not anytime soon. Uh, so anyway, on that note, thank you. Thank you. Council Member Barrett. Well, we want invitations well, yeah. when it happens. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm just going to comment on Mr. Kozowick's comment since I was the one who brought up uh, the red tagging. Uh, my comment is brief that if Mr. Kozowick can show me that he was indeed red tagged in error, I'll be happy to apologize. Um, but I have to say for the record that I did heard this from two members of the public. I was never contacted by Heather Hines, who he, I believe, 
owes an apology to. I have never seen Ms. Hines um, behave in any way but totally professionally, and I am certain that she did not contact me, and I don't believe anyone else knew about it until I brought it up. So I think uh, Mr. Koswick needs to get his facts straight on that. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Albertson. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, some time back, we had problems with um, uh, there was concern of large vehicles trying to get through town, um, and there were examples of the large tractor-trailer units that have to go to Van Beber Steel, uh, larger units that went to Cowgirl Creamery to drop off and pick up stuff. And now we have, uh, as, as a chain of events, the closure of the northbound on-ramp at uh, uh, Petaluma Boulevard South. And with that, concern that those large vehicles will be able to get back on the freeway northbound and they have to come through the downtown area. So I was hoping uh, to get to a, find an on-ramp to 101 northbound. So uh, I don't know that they can make the right turn at D Street. I'm not sure that they're allowed to go down Petaluma Boulevard, especially with the road diet as it is. So if the city could make an inquiry as to how we can address our downtown business people who need large vehicles and have to get on the freeway northbound on-ramp, do they need that ramp closed as it's advertised July 8th through August 30th? And uh, and that's a that's a long time to be closed 24/7. So maybe there's some flexibility. And lastly, uh, Mr. Danley, uh, welcome as a new city employee. And your first day, you're missed here, conspicuous in your absence. Uh, what I would also ask, though, from you and the city manager, uh, a timeline for how you see staffing the office as we move forward. So it's not something I expect an answer from tonight, but maybe a memo to council in the upcoming weeks or so. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Thank you, Mr. Healy. Yeah, thank you. I wasn't going to say anything, but I think Mr. Albertson raises a very interesting point with respect to the closure of that northbound on-ramp. and. Uh, that would, especially with the, the large rigs with the sleeper units, that's uh, a real problem trying to maneuver those through the, the downtown to to get to uh, the next northbound on-ramp. And, uh, you know, maybe they need to be encouraged to go on southbound and turn around at, uh, at the landfill in the meantime. I know that's not very appealing, but the alternative seems to be, would seem to be worse unless someone has some clever ideas that aren't obvious to me. Um, and anyway, I will join in uh, welcoming Mr. Danley from North Carolina or wherever you are, and, um, and that's all it for me for tonight. Thank you. Um, I do want to touch on the 4th of July. Uh, the celebration that will take place at the fairgrounds is coming through the courtesy of five radio stations that are under local ownership once again, known as the Sonoma Media Group, and they are KSRO, The Fox, Froggy, The Mix, and The River. There will be live entertainment there at the fairgrounds. There will be games that will be played from 3 o'clock in the afternoon until 5, family affair. Uh, music will start at 5 o'clock. The fireworks will start at dark. There will be adult beverages. There will be food. There will be a good time. That's a nominal charge. It's $2 for adults and $1 for kids. And that is the safe and sane way to celebrate fireworks and to celebrate the 4th of July is to do it and let the professionals 
shoot off the fireworks and for the people to come and enjoy it and stay and see it in a safe environment. For those of you that are taking a different path in our community, I want to encourage you to use caution. There have been some devastating fires that have been caused by safe and sane fireworks here in Sonoma County. That is our recent experience. Up in Santa Rosa, they had uh, a very costly fire a handful of years ago, and it was caused by safe and sane fireworks. So just because they're legal to sell doesn't mean it's prudent to shoot them off. But if you are going to shoot them off, take caution. Make sure that you do it in as safe an environment as possible. Our fire department deserves that. These are people that uh, do put their lives in danger when they go out and combat fires. And I don't know that there's going to be a more dangerous fire season than the one we're going to experience this year due to the temperatures that we're currently seeing. And those temperatures are rising. So uh, I do want to encourage people, come on out to the fairgrounds, enjoy the fireworks there, have a good time, and uh, let's all be safe. And when we wake up Friday morning, let's be you know in a safe community uh, still. With that, uh, we'll go on to City Manager's comments. Mr. Brown. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, a couple of things in response to what's been raised uh, during council comments. Uh, I saw a document today that spoke to the detour route for the closure of the northbound lane. Uh, I'm not the world's best at reading plans, uh, so I didn't forward that on to your council, uh, but I will provide a copy of that or at least an explanation of what the detour route looks like. Um, I'm going to assume without having asked the question that we've been in conversation with Caltrans about the impact of the closures on our downtown uh, and I will check with the Public Works and Utilities Department tomorrow morning to make sure that is in fact the case as well as to try to provide you with at least a description if not a, a drawing that shows you what the, the detour route looks like uh, for this closure period. Uh, with respect to the City Attorney's uh, timeline for getting the office up to full speed. I'll actually, this is ti a timely question and I did want to address it this evening. I'll actually be asking to add an item on the agenda for the 15th of July's meeting. Uh, but in the meanwhile, what we're looking at here is about a, uh, a we hope to be a maximum four month period of time between now and the 31st of October that would allow us to hire three members of staff uh, in the city attorney's office, two senior attorneys as well as uh, a, a paralegal or a, a legal assistant. Uh, we actually have the recruitment underway right now for the legal assistant, and we would expect that that position would be on board by the end of July. Uh, it'll take us a little bit longer because of having to develop position descriptions, uh, job classifications for these assistant attorney positions. Take a little longer to get those recruitments underway, but that's coming next. And a three-month or a four-month time frame would give us ample time in order to recruit, to uh, s screen and select and get somebody on board by the end of, of October. Uh, if you've been down the hallway today where the suite of offices are that the attorney will be occupying, we're in those offices right now during this week before Eric comes to work, uh, putting in a new carpet, doing some, some uh, renovation, some re reconstruction to configure that space for him. Uh, that would include moving the existing conference room downstairs into space that's been vacated by our CIP section. Uh, and that would be where I think you can expect to find Mr. Danley sitting and then other attorneys and the legal assistant in, in the, the remaining existing space. So four months is sort of our outside end. 
Uh, I did receive a, a document from Myers Nave talking about continuity of service, and we will be continuing to work with Myers Nave and buying services from them. I think I mentioned that to you in the staff report when uh, this came to you. Uh, we will be asked. I will be asking to add that item on your agenda for the 15th, and that uh, anticipates a limited amount of legal services between now and the uh, 31st of October. So that was everything I came or I wanted to speak to this evening during this this portion of the agenda. Okay, and I need at the request of the clerk to make an announcement. Applications will be sought to fill additional vacancies on city commissions and committees. Animal Services Advisory Committee has one vacancy that will be filled to serve a three-year term that will expire June 30th, 2016. Transit Advisory Committee has one vacancy to serve a two-year term expiring June 30th, 2015. And the Youth Commission has an adult appointment uh, to be made, one vacancy to serve a two-year term expiring June 30th, 2015. There are other uh, vacancies for the youth that will come back on September 9th at City Council meeting. Uh, for the ones that I mentioned, Animal Service Advisory, Transit Advisory Committee, and the Adult Appointment to the Youth Commission, applications will be accepted by the City Clerk's Office until 5 p.m. on Monday, July 29th, 2013, and the City Council will review the applications and make appointments on Monday, August 5th, 2013 at the 7 p.m. evening session. More information is available on the City's website, that's cityofpetaluma.net, or by calling the City's Clerk's Office at at 778-4360 or via email at cityclerk at ci.petaluma.ca.us. I'm not sure if the last dot is a dot or if it's the end of the sentence, but uh, those of you that know computers will know. Information will also be posted on the city's Facebook page. So with that, we're complete with the announcement. Uh, we're back on to, uh, there was no closed session tonight, so there's no report out of closed session. There are no minutes to approve. With that, we're down to item 2A on the agenda, which is approval of the proposed agenda for the night of July 15th. And what I would request is that we start at 6.45 on July 15th. Uh, give us a chance to get started a little bit earlier. Seemed to work well tonight. Um, Mr. City Manager, you wanted to make a request for a change on the proposed agenda for July 15th? Actually, two, Mr. Mayor. Yes, sir. Uh, and one had to do with the massage ordinance. Uh, and, and Eric may or may not want to chime in on this. Uh, this was moved to the 15th agenda last week. Uh, in anticipation and still awaiting changes to the draft ordinance that would allow for the city to uh, do the local regulation for those businesses that are grandfathered. Uh, that has turned out to be a more complicated matter than was initially anticipated and as a consequence those changes haven't been made, they haven't been distributed to folks, they haven't had a chance to look at that and so we, we pushed that off. And I think given Mr. Danley's absence this week, given the agenda distribution timelines for the meeting of the 15th, it's, it's much more likely that this will be back in front of you on the first, of, or the first meeting in August rather than the 15th of July. So I'd like to just ask you to take that off this meeting. We'd move it to the forward agenda for, I believe it's the 5th of August. Um, and of course, we will notify all those who have been notified of the changes and, and make sure that they know that that's the meeting to, to try to attend. Uh, the other item was I did want to add an item for legal services contract. That's probably a fair enough space holder for the moment. As I just mentioned, that would allow us to enter into a new contract with Myers Nave to buy the services that we need in this interim period. Okay. 
So with that, uh, Mr. Albertson. Uh, Mr. City Manager, what are we doing for meetings in August? Is there just the one August 5th meeting, or is there a workshop for that? How many meetings in August? Council Member, there's just the one meeting in August, and, and there are no workshops planned. August 5th. Uh, if, I believe that's the first Monday. Thank and, you. And that'll be it. Okay. I'll move the item as suggested and amended by the City Manager, and I would ask that we could make the start time 6.45 p.m. I'll second uh, it. We have a second. If there's no further discussion, we can vote by the lights. If there is discussion, we can have that. Well, Ms. Mr. Mr. Mayor, Healy. Yeah, just the, the, the same admonition as last time, that the start time would be dependent on no um, closed session items getting added. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. Okay, with it, we'll vote by the lights. And if there is a closed session, then we'll, we'll put down 7 o'clock. Okay? All right. Good. Motion carries unanimously. With that, we're uh, on to the next item, which is the consent calendar. I don't have any public comment cards on the consent calendar. Uh, the consent calendar consists of items 3A, B, C, D, E, and F. If anyone wants to uh, address the council on any of those items, this would be the time to do it. Uh, looking at the consent calendar, it includes item 3B. I'm going to remove that uh, because it's a second reading, and we had council members that recuse themselves uh, from the first reading, so I'm assuming that they would do the same on the second reading. Um, if, I, if I don't need to remove it, I won't, but okay, so I'm going to remove item 3B, and with that, everything else is still there, and I'll bring it, uh, first I'm going to open it up to public comment. Is there anybody that wants to speak to these items on the agenda, 3A through F? Seeing no one rise in the chamber and step forward and having no speaker cards on these items, public comment is hereby opened and subsequently closed on the consent calendar. And with that, item 3B is off of the consent calendar. Are there any comments by the council members? If not, I'll entertain a motion. So moved. Second. I have a motion by Kearney, a second by Harris. And with that, we'll vote by the lights on the consent calendar. Could I just get a Yes. Is this for A through F without B? Yes. yes. B has been removed. Okay. okay. We're going to come back and pick up 3B. Items 3A, C, D, E, and F are approved unanimously with Councilmember Miller absent tonight. And with that, we're on to item 3B. Uh, Councilmember Barrett. No, no, I just wanted to make sure I was clear that I wasn't voting on B. Okay. Uh, well, at this time, uh, if you want to announce the nature of your conflict and why you're going to step down from the dais and not vote on item 3B. So do we have to leave the dais again? Not for consent. Oh. For consent? Well, uh, we've done it that way and have been advised okay. that we're okay, better. happy to yeah. do that. I bought property within 500 feet of the station area plan. Okay. Thank you. Mr. Healy. I get my residence. <laughs> Mr. Danley. I'm sorry, I just wanted to note that it, it, the, the, the Brown Act does not require members leave the dais with respect to consent items. Okay. Well, we're going to do it anyway because we've done it before, and I just want to make sure that, you know, it's easier That's to fine. just do it for this time, and then we can talk about it for next time. Mr. Healy. That's right. Yeah, yeah so I, I, my residence is within 500 feet of the uh, station plan area as well. Okay. So just for the moment, we'll just do it the way we've always done it, and then we can sort it out later. Mr. Mayor. Yes. I'll move item 3B on the consent Thank calendar. Thank you. Does that count? Mr. Harris. Second. All right. When we'll vote by the lights. Oh, I need to open up public comment on item 3B. Is there anyone that wants to address the council on item 3B as in boy? Seeing no one rise, public comment is hereby closed. With that, we'll vote by the lights.
Motion carries unanimously, four to nothing, with council members Barrett and Healy stepping aside and uh, council member Miller absent. And with that, we are on to uh, unfinished business. This is item 4B next up on the agenda. This is the second reading of an ordinance amending chapter 18 of the implementing zoning ordinance of public art and resolution updating enabling legislation of the Petaluma Public Art Committee pursuant to the implementing zoning ordinance number 2300 NCS and repealing and replacing resolution number 2005-41 NCS. Uh, this is the second reading. We went through this in detail the last time around. I don't know that we need a staff report on it. Does the council uh, have any need for a staff report on this item? No. no one seems to have that need. If uh, at this point someone wants to make a motion, Mr. Albertson. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I, I voted for this in the first reading, and, and I'll do it again. My concern on this remains, though, that we're using public money for public art, and uh, that, that monies could go to better structures more tangible use within the public facility that we're constructing. And with that, I will move item 4B. Is there a second? Second. Okay. Motion by Albertson, second by Harris. I need to open it up for public comment. Is there anyone that wishes to address the council on item 4B as in boy? Public comment is hereby closed with no one stepping forward. Is there any discussion? Mr. Healy. Yeah, yeah, just to briefly respond to that, and, and that is that the, the funds here are collected specifically for this purpose. They're not available for anything else. And um, uh, although I sh share Mr. Albertson's concern about other unfunded uh, needs in the city, um, this is not really competing with those, so I'd be happy to support the item. Okay, so with that, uh, any other discussion? If not, we'll vote by the lights. We'll vote. Motion carries unanimously with Council Member Miller absent. With that, we are on to uh, item 5B is in boy. This is a resolution designating a Petaluma City Council member and alternate to the North Bay Water Reuse Authority Board of Directors. Uh, we have two council members that are involved in water issues. Council Member Healy with a Water Advisory Committee and Council Member Barrett with Zone 2A. Uh, ordinarily, the mayor at the start of a year would make recommendations and council either ratifies them or not, as the case might be. I did not receive any indications of interest from council members on this. Um, I would say that if we're going to this model of having elected officials on this body, uh, just to follow the past, my recommendation would be council member Healy as the water advisory committee uh, member be the representative and that council member Barrett as his own 2A representative be the alternate. I don't know if that's acceptable to the two council members or not. So I'm going to open up the discussion before we go to Mr. St. John, Mr. Healy. Uh, I'd, I'd be happy with that if that's agreeable to the rest of uh, the council. And, and to Councilmember Barrett. Councilmember Barrett. Uh, I'm happy to uh, to be the uh, what is it the alternate. Thank you. Yes, and uh, I think ca I think Mr. Healy is the right person for that. How about I make that the motion? Do I have a second? Second. I'll second it. Mm, Mr. Harris was in there first, so we'll take Mr. Harris's second. And if there's no need for discussion, we'll just vote by the lights on the motion. Thank you, Mr. St. John. Oh. I should ask on public comment before we vote. Is there anyone that wants to address the council on this item? This is item 5B as in boy. I have no speaker cards on it. No one stepping forward to address the council. Public comment is hereby closed. And with that, we will vote by the lights. 
Motion carries unanimously with Council Member Miller absent. We're on to 5C. This is a public, uh, this is a public meeting to hear testimony regarding the annual assessments for the landscape assessment districts and adopt a resolution describing improvements and directing preparation of engineer's report for fiscal year 2013-14's annual assessment for landscape assessment districts. There's a resolution of preliminary approval of engineer's report for landscape assessment districts fiscal year 2013-14 and resolution setting a public hearing to order the levy and collection of assessments pursuant to the Landscaping and Lighting Act of 1972 for landscape assessment districts for the fiscal year 2013-14. Mr. D. Nicola. Good evening, Mr. Mayor. Thank you so much and council members. Yes, this, here we are again once a year. We do the setting of the assessments. This is the first of two public meetings. Uh, this one's very straightforward. There are no um, proposed uh, uh, increases in any of the assessments. There are two decreases uh, due to the fact that um, uh, the two have substantial uh, reserves and very uh, low cost in terms of maintenance and water. So, uh, if you will. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I need to open up to public comment. Is there anyone that wishes to address the council on item 5C? Public comment is opened. No one stepping forward. Public comment is closed. Um, with that, we're going to go through a series of procedures here of council members stepping down from the dais. Uh, the first one is... Uh, I actually had a question, Mr. Yes, Mayor. sir. Yeah, so Mr. DiNicola, so um, you, you made that same point in the staff report that there's no proposed increases, but then when you look at attachment four, there are, I think, a dozen that show a 2% increase, which is pretty nominal, but it's still an increase. Can you explain oh, the, uh, with that? Uh, yes, sir. Um, those are um, built in. Uh, uh, when the LADs were um, first created, they had a built-in COLA or cost increase, uh, annual increase, and some of them have 2%, some of them have 0%, and that's what you're seeing there. It's just an automatic increase. Okay, so, so. It's, it would be more accurate to say that there's no increases proposed beyond what's automatically provided by the LADs formation documents. Exactly. Okay, thank, thank you. you for that clarification. And the public has been notified on this, and we're past the time, and no one has there's there's not a, a groundswell of uh, protests out there, right? That's correct. Sir. Okay. So with that, I'll ask if Mr. Albertson would please step aside that the first measure is exclusively for the Country Club Estates and Riverview subdivisions, and Mr. Albertson is within the boundaries of that, and so steps aside from the dais as a result. And with that, I'll entertain a motion for approval of the Country Club Estates and Riverview subdivisions. So moved. Second. A uh, motion by Barrett, second by Harris. Uh, we'll vote by the lights in every case. So there'll be no chance of confusion here. Motion carries unanimously uh, with Vice Mayor Albertson recused and uh, Council Member Miller not in attendance tonight. Next, uh, Council Member Kearney steps aside and this assessment district is for the Spring Meadows subdivision. I'll make that motion. Second. And second by Barrett. Um, with that, we'll vote by the lights. Vice Mayor Albertson is back at the dais. Motion carries unanimously with Council Member Miller absent tonight and Council Member Kearney stepping down for that one vote. Um, with that, we're next uh, up with the Shelter Hills subdivision. I believe Mr. Kearney can come back to the room now. No, no, no he stays out. Oh, it's after the Shelter Hills? Okay. So with that... Um, I'll make the motion. 
and second. I see. Yeah, I was trying to figure out why this one is here, but it really pertains to Councilmember Miller, but it's Councilmember Kearney as well, but Miller is not here, so we have no problem with that. So we have a motion by Barrett, second by Harris. All of will vote by the lights. This is the Shelter Hill subdivision. Motion carries unanimously with Councilmember Kearney uh, stepping aside for that vote and Councilmember Miller not present tonight. Uh, with that, we're on to the next item. And um, this is with all of us present. It is for the Village East subdivision. Let the record reflect that Councilmember Miller would be stepping aside at this point. However, she is not in attendance, so that's irrelevant. With that, I'll make the motion for uh, the Village East subdivision. Mr. Mayor, can I amend your motion to include all remaining landscape assessment districts as well? I, I couldn't hear what you said. I'm sorry. I'd like to amend it to include all the remaining landscape assessment districts yeah, as well. Yeah, that would be great. Thank you. Very good. Uh, so we get it at once. I'll make the second. So we got uh, an amended motion there. That That's cleaner. Mr. Kearney's motion. We got a second. And with that, this is for all the remaining uh, assessment districts. And we'll vote by the lights. That motion carries unanimously with Councilmember Miller absent, and with that, uh, I believe that concludes business on item 5C. If it does, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Members of the Council, have a good night. Thank you. Okay, with that, we are on to item 5D. I'm sorry, no, we're on to... Yeah. Yeah, 5D. This is a resolution authorizing an agreement for planning services with Metropolitan Planning Group. Mr. Brown and Mr. Diven are here. Mr. Diven. Good evening, Mayor, Me <coughs> members of the Council. Since July 2009, the Metropolitan Planning Group, also known as M Group, has been providing the full range of services required of an in house planning department. The current term of that agreement expires on July 31st of this year. Over the past four years, M Group has restored access to the public to four days per week with 32 hours of counter coverage consistent with City Hall operating hours. M Group has provided an on-site planning manager available throughout the week and who coordinates with the City Manager's Office and the City's Senior Management Team. M Group has hired four, or three former city staff members to provide continuity and institutional memory and who have been invaluable in moving to a contracted program. M Group has effectively processed development applications, eliminated the backlog of planning applications prior to their arrival, improved internal processes, and improved customer service. M Group staff has also contributed to long-range planning projects. An M Group staff has integrated well with city staff, has improved communication and coordination amongst all the city departments, and while also being responsive to staff, council, and public inquiries. All of this has been accomplished on a, success, on a successful cost recovery basis. The contract attached to your staff report this evening provides for a three-year agreement with the option of two one-year extensions for a total of five years. The agreement maintains the same cost recovery rates as set forth in M Group's current contract, However, I'd point out that the base level rates have been increased to be 75% of the cost recovery rates instead of the current 60%. This has been done to better reflect M Group's costs. Increasing the base level rates will not result in an increase in cost to the city since the base level charges are capped by the total budget for non-cost recovery work, which in this fiscal year's budget is $100,000. 
in the prior years it had been 75,000 I believe for the last three years in the initial year of their contract it was 40,000 so as they've come up to speed and gotten a better sense of what the non-cost recovery amounts are we've made some some budget adjustments uh, over the time and in the fiscal year 2013-14 budget that you recently approved that amount was 100,000 uh, the fee structure has also been updated to reflect M Group's current staffing model for Petaluma. And with that, uh, staff, myself, John Brown, as well as Jeff Bradley, who's the principal of M Group, are available for any questions you may have. Thank you so much. Uh, are there questions at this time? I'll start with Mr. Healy, and then I'll come to Mr. Albertson, and we'll go down the line. Mr. Healy. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, so thank you for the staff report. It was um, um, a lot of information, but it was uh, obviously a lot of thought that's gone into this. Um, you, you know, it strikes me, at, 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 at least at a superficial level, that this is, you know, somewhat analogous to the the request we got from Myers-Nave um, se several months ago for rate adjustments and of course that resulted in a subcommittee being formed and now a very different model being 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 followed by the city and, and I think that's distinguishable but I was hoping maybe you or the manager could articulate that a little bit better than I can because I, I think both for the public and especially internally within the organization where you know a lot of most of our all of our employees have gone for a very long time without without salary increases um, I, I just want to make sure the perception isn't there that this one contractor is getting special treatment and so if you could help me with that I'd appreciate it sure and I'll defer to, to the manager so mr. mayor council member Healy uh, the distinction there's a couple of distinctions I think uh, between the legal services contract and this one uh, and, and the first one would be the legal services contract sought to adjust rates in a way that would actually cause our overall cost to increase and in this particular instance, as Mr. Divan indicated in the staff report, we have a cap placed on the amount of service the city pays for, and that remains $100,000, uh, regardless of what the individual rates themselves look like. Um, so there is that distinction to be made with, with the uh, Myers-Nave's billing. The, the other distinction, however, is that we're actually getting a, and demanding a higher level of service than we have been receiving in the past and that's really just a reflection of additional growth activity application processing activity and and some would say that's a good thing uh, that there is additional activity the lack of that activity is what cost us the the funding that we needed in order to maintain our own in-house planning department back in 2009 um, so that it creates a lot more counter work uh, it creates a lot more interaction between my office and, and uh, the M group uh, it creates what I'm going to call more administrative work, but I mean administrative with respect to city activity. Uh, I think uh, Mr. Divan mentioned coordinating with other departments, working on the development review team, that sort of thing. So there's more of that kind of activity that we're demanding than we have in the past. And that isn't something that we can charge through the cost recovery process. Uh, as as we do for the actual application development. So we're demanding more service and that service does come at a price. Uh, but it isn't just a static amount of service for which the cost is going up, which is what we were dealing with on our legal services. Um, I think to M Group's credit, and I do want to mention this, although I, I hope not to embarrass them too much, uh, the amount that we have provided them over the years, while it has grown from the 40,000 that Mr. Divan mentioned to 75 to now 100, which is included in your budget, has never been sufficient to cover the cost of the service that the city has demanded. Uh, and during the last four years, M Group has actually uh, 
eaten that cost themselves. And that's, that has ranged anywhere from a high of about $61,000 in the year they began to a low of $24,000 last year. They're on track to about $36,000, which the, the organization just, you know, just writes down uh, so that they can stay within that cap that the city has, has uh, negotiated with them. So that would be another distinction. Uh, they're actually providing us f far more service than we're paying for. If they were seeking compensation for everything we, they do, we would have had those additional sums that we would have been forced to pay, but of course didn't have the money to do so, and, and so they've been working with us on that. So uh, I hope that's a thorough answer to the question, and I'd be happy to try to provide additional distinction if it's necessary. Uh, no, thank you very much for that, and that does um uh, I think explain in, in, in more detail the context of what's going on here and explain within the organization especially that we're, we're not um, giving preferential treatment to, uh, to private contractors over our own employees. Thank you. Mr. Robertson. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Along those same lines, uh, the, the increase in the cost recovery from 60 percent to 75, I was wondering, we have the large developers who seem to have deeper pockets, but I'm thinking about the MAPA projects, the home remodel projects, if that's going to be uh, a, a serious negative impact for those remodels. Uh, Councilmember Albertson and through the mayor, uh, I think the answer to that question is generally no. We have flat permit amounts for some of the stuff that I would consider to be, you know, your real homeowner kinds of kinds of jobs. Uh, if you are actually developing a, a lot or two, you know, uh, say two or three lot, uh, you know, lot split, you know, you, you may have a, have more to pay than you would, but you're also not the average homeowner at that point. You're you're a developer. Cost recovery rate, anyway. But it would be cost recovery, yes. I'm sorry, no, they wouldn't get the lower rate. But but so there's a set rate for certain kinds of things, and that's a flat fee. To, it, I'll need to ask the conversations go into the microphone so the public can hear them also. Uh, it's actually, uh, I know that sometimes we could move away from the mic, but Mr. Healy and Mr. Albertson, make sure you're on mic when you are. Well, I think I've generally answered Mr. Albertson's question, but there was a, a, a point or two, if you don't mind indulging me, I would like to make Please with respect do. to the cost of, of development. And so when you are a larger uh, developer, so to speak, uh, I think that we've seen M Group streamline the process. And of course, they've worked with city staff to do that. So you, you have a greater uh, specificity going in as to what it is that you're going to have to do in order to get to a development approval process. I think there's less uh, iterative process going forward. Those things mean less time. That saves you money. Uh, one of the benefits, I think, of having an in-house attorney is that cost uh, recovery with respect to the attorney's office is now going to be at our internal rates rather than the external rates. So I think all of those things, the savings that M Group brings to this, the savings that that change brings to it, offset any rate adjustments that you may be seeing in the uh, cost recovery schedule. I'm a, I've been supporting here that there was a, uh, some concern initially some years ago when M Group first came in and we gave up our own in-house uh, program, but I uh, I have to say over the years uh, I've have nothing but uh, uh, positive comments for most Mr. Bradley and when he was there and um, Ms. Hines it's been uh, a good relationship responsive and I I I'm happy to vote for this. Thank you. Are there other comments at this time, yeah, Mr. Mayor? 
Mr. Healy. Yeah, I, I just wanted clarification on one point. Mr. Albertson's question was premised on the notion that applicants actually see the base rate, and I believe they only see the cost recovery rate, which isn't changing. Is that, can I get a confirmation? I see nodding of heads. That's correct. Okay, thank you. Okay, so with that, I, I'm going to explain my vote when we vote, after we vote, which any council member has the right to do that, but it won't slow down this. Is there a motion if there's no more questions on this? I'll make a motion. A second? Second. A motion by Barrett, second by Mr. Albertson. If there's no other discussion, we'll vote by the lights. motion carries unanimously and I, th I think that that is well deserved I, I said I was going to take a moment and explain my vote this was a, a difficult thing back in 2009 it was the elimination of a virtually an entire department and I think that we were the prototype for taking leadership in government managing resources and it was a department that didn't have enough work to do because of what happened with the economy. And the M group stepped in and really stepped up to the plate. And I equate this in terms of rate adjustments similarly to what happens with uh, things like long-term care. M group was new, this was a new business model, didn't know what it might cost to provide the services. But you guys stepped up without exception and provided this community the services that we needed. And for that you're to be thanked and the adjustment here is reasonable, just like the next item that we're going to look at is going to be uh, the Visitors Bureau. And that, that's going to get a bump up too, I would suspect. Uh, there is real costs here uh, that have increased since 2009. And I think that there were costs that were unanticipated. And I just want to thank you on behalf of this community for making it work. Because you did. And as a result, there's a lot of people in the private sector that wound up being put to work. So thank you. And I'm glad that that was unanimous. You deserved that. So congratulations. Okay, if any other, anyone else wants to add anything else, feel free to do so. And we'll just pause for a moment and do it if we want. Okay, with that, we're going to move on. Thank you very much. Okay, with that, um, we have completed item... Uh, 5D, so we're back to item 5A. This is a resolution approving professional services agreement between the City of Petaluma and the Petaluma Downtown Association for operation of the Visitor Center and Petaluma Visitors Program and authorizing the City Manager to accept, uh, execute said agreement. Mr. Brown. Well, uh, Mr. Mayor, I think this is a, another case where the staff report is, is pretty specific about what's going on here and so what I would offer the council is I can go on as long or as little as you'd like me to in the staff report or not at all if that would be the council's pleasure. Well, uh, I'm sitting here, I don't have any questions. I've read it, I'm going to support it. Uh, I don't have any public comment cards on this. Uh, the people there have done a good job. And so, does anybody want a staff report on this, or are you happy with the written report? With that, um, I'm going to open it up for public comment. Is there anyone that wants to address the council on this item? I have no speaker cards on it, seeing so no one rise. Public comment is hereby opened and closed. If there's not discussion, there doesn't have to be. We can take a motion and go from there. Mr. Mayor, I'll move item 5A. I'll second it. Is there any discussion? I just would like to say that I think, you know, I think the, the way that it's being run now is, is being done so in a very efficient and, and I think, uh, uh, effective manner, and I look forward to working with uh, that group in the future. Okay, with that, if there's no other discussion, we'll take a vote by the lights. 
Motion carries unanimously. We're on to item 6A. This is the introduction of first reading of an ordinance designating the Hansen House located at 718 North McDowell Boulevard, a local historic landmark pursuant to section 15.040 of the implementing zoning ordinance. The developer is in agreement. The planning commission adopted this unanimously. We've got a staff report. Um, and Ms. Hines, would you like to deliver the staff report as it is? I really want to show you some historic photos yeah. we found. So, um, so good evening, Mayor, Council Members. Um, hopefully, this is kind of a feel-good item um, on the agenda. Before you tonight is the Hanson House for a local landmark designation. So, the Hanson House is on McDowell, circled in red there, um, almost at the corner of Palo Verde. You've got Capri Creek running alongside of it, and. The rehabilitation and designation of the Hanson House as a landmark is part of what's called the North McDowell Commons Project. And this is um, a rental project, 34 new units. You've got um, eight single-family detached homes along Wood Sorrel. And then um, the rest are in kind of a, a duet formation. You've got some common play area with a play structure. You've got a landscape paseo that runs um, uh, between the detached units and some of the duet units. The duet units on North McDowell face onto North McDowell. So this was a project that came through, was approved by the Planning Commission, included rehabilitation of the Hanson House and a recommendation for designation. Um, so a little bit on the background for consistent with the ICO. Landmark designations are reviewed by the Historic and Cultural Preservation Committee. They make a recommendation to the Planning Commission. Planning Commission reviewed it, made a recommendation to the Council, and the Council is the ultimate decision-making body. Um, the proposed rehabilitation of the Hanson House was part of the SPAR approval. Um, it was also reviewed by HCPC, recommendation made to Planning Commission, and some conditions specific to that rehabilitation were incorporated into the site plan and architectural review. Um, so a little bit on the history of um, looking at the Hanson House. Um, in 2003 and 2004, the HCPC determined that the Hanson House was a locally important resource. Um, it, was, it was looked at as part of a different project that um, never went to decision. Um, there were reports, evaluations prepared that you have in your packet that did not found, find it historically significant, but the community really said, well, this is historically significant to us at a local level. And those reasons were the association with local midwifery, um, as is associated with Anne Marie Hansen, and as also the Farmsteads Association with the local Danish agricultural community. So when this project came in, early dialogue with the applicant agreed to that local designation of the Hanson House. So it's always um, a real treasure when you find the old pictures. So thanks to Catherine Reinhardt, um, I was able to get my hands on some historic photos. And this is um, during construction of the Hanson House. And there had been a, a question raised at one point of whether the house had actually been lifted at some point in its history. But um, based on this, it's pretty clear that it was part of its original construction. This is the family 
in front of the house. And one of the things that's really interesting about the Hanson House and unique about the Hanson House is the water tower is actually attached to the house and not a separate standalone structure as you usually see. And this is a, a picture looking at the back of the Hanson House. And this is the Hanson House today. So it's, it's had a rough go. Um, there was a fire in early, I believe early 2004 um, that, that gutted much of it. One of the um, HCPC hearings on it actually was post-fire when they came, the applicant came in and asked for an exception to demo it and the HCPC said no, there hasn't been enough damage to lose the attributes that um, we consider significant. So alongside this are elevations of the proposed rehabilitation. So you see that they're really staying true to the original structure. There's no change in the footprint, no change in the roof lines. Um, the most significant change is on the porch. You'll see there there's a, a double hung window. Right now there's kind of a larger plate glass window that was obviously a, a more modern change to the house. So they're going to take that back to a double hung. And these are from either side. So we did review the rehabilitation against the Secretary of the Interior standards and um, found it consistent with those standards, maintaining the single family use. It doesn't remove any distinctive materials. Um, there's not a false, not creating a false sense of historic development, and all the character defining features are being preserved. Um, repaired where they can be and replaced when they need to be. There's no new additions. And the development of the North McDowell Commons kept some additional separation from either side of the Hanson House, so it kind of um, still maintains that visual, visual story. Uh, so the designation, finding the designation is consistent with the general plan policies. It further implements historic preservation objectives that are outlined in the implementing zoning ordinance, found locally significant for that association with local midwifery and with the local Danish agricultural community. And in the ordinance that's before you, one of the things the ICO requires is to call out the um, character defining features of the resource being designated. So um, these are some of the things that we got from some of those evaluations as called out as being the character defining features of the house. Like I mentioned, the um, enclosed or attached water tank, the hipped roof, the siding, the double hung wood sash windows, the cutaway front porch, structural massing, that single Tuscan column on the porch, and the existing palm trees in the front. And those existing palm trees are also part of the, the project proposal. So staff is recommending that the council introduce an ordinance designating the Hanson House a local landmark pursuant to ICO section 15040. I'm here to answer any questions and the project architect Warren Hedgepath is here too if there's questions for the applicant. Let me see if I can get a motion and a second and then we'll have a discussion. So moved. I'll uh, second that. A motion by Kearney, a second by Barrett, and I'm, ju I'm just, you know, I'm that okay. far, okay? okay. <laughs> and now with that, uh, are there any questions or discussion at this time? And I'm going to open it up to public comment also. So let's not, you know, we don't need to panic here. I just want to, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I would actually if you'd look this way. Um, yeah. So um, thank you. Um, so do I take it from this that the uh, the rest of the project has received all the approvals it needs at the Planning Commission, and this is the only piece that's left? Correct. And, and I take it that 
is, is the applicant's plan to um, to do this reconstruction work at the same time or I think it's all a single phase correct Warren yes okay and and I take it from the staff report are they, are they planning on offering this for sale uh, if they can or is it going to be a rental also um, it's going to start as a rental as part of it but one of the conditions was that it is there's two lots there now so a lot line adjustment to put it on its own parcel recognizing that it might be better served to be owner occupied in the future just given that it's a historic home but it would remain part of the the development in terms of um, the common areas in that use so are we doing the lot line adjustment now or would that come no, down that'll the road? come later that'll come later okay um, all right um, you know I, I guess just on the merits of the thing um, I'm, I'm pleased to see the applicant cooperating in this um, as a former officer of Heritage Homes, I, I get the, 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 the desire in the community to, to see this kind of thing. If this were a home on, on the west side, it may not be that important because they're kind of common, but on the east side, within the city limits, the number of historic farmhouses that are left, um, you could probably count on the fingers of one hand and have fingers left. Um, so there, there aren't many of these, and uh, I think it's wonderful that this is going to be preserved for the long term. Okay, with that. Um, Can I make one addition? Yeah. Um, I did receive one phone call in response to the noticing on this. It was in favor of the designation, had some concerns about the other parts of the development, but the designation itself was supportive of it. And the other part of the development is going to be reviewed at. It's already been it's reviewed. It's already been reviewed at the Planning Commission yeah. and it's done. Yeah. Okay. So um, with that, I'm going to open this up to public comment because I don't want to forget that. I don't have any speaker cards on it, but is there anyone that wishes to address the council on item 6A? See, so no one rise public comment is hereby opened and subsequently closed. And Council Member Barrett. I, I would just like to say that I am really thrilled to be able to vote for this. Um, and I really am appreciative of the efforts that have been made by the developer and the architect. Um, I was on Spark in um, 03 and 04 when this came uh, before and after the fire. And um, it's an amazing what a different attitude this is than the development that came at that time, which really was just trying to get rid of the house. So thank you very much for your efforts uh, for Petaluma. So thank you. Mr. Kearney. Uh, as a kid growing up on the east side of town, uh, this was like one of the, you know, this house and then where Cater Farms was were like the only two farmhouses left, really. And uh, and then the Sartori house over at Casa Grande and, uh, and uh, McDowell. So uh, I'm pleased to see this go forward, and I think it's going to look great uh, when it's done. So thank you. Any other comments? I want to thank you also on behalf of the whole council and, and people that are passionate about issues like this. Uh, they do appreciate it. So with that, we'll vote by the lights. Motion carries unanimously with Councilmember Miller absent tonight. Um, that was a motion by Kearney, a second by Barrett. And with that, that uh, concludes uh, business for tonight. I'll entertain a motion to adjourn. So moved. I'll second it. All in favor say aye. 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 And we are adjourned. Thank you.